Hey friends, a quick interruption to let you know that we have some very fun events happening that I just don't want you to miss. I have a really fun event coming up in Washington, D.C. So if you're in the D.C. area, I'm going to be speaking with David Brooks, unbelievably smart and interesting David Brooks, on Wednesday, September 29th. So right away. And you can join us in person, masks and vaccination required to keep us all safe. There's also virtual tickets if you'd like to join. David Brooks is such a fun like engaging person to talk to. So I'm really excited about that event. It's at a gorgeous synagogue called Sixth and I, and it's going to be a really special evening. Or if you're in my hometown of Durham, North Carolina, I'm going to be having an event with the indomitable Kelly Corrigan. You might remember her as a previous guest on the podcast and Professor Tressie McMillan Cotton. And we're going to be getting together on Tuesday, October 12th. So that's going to be at the Carolina Theater. It's such a beautiful venue. We're going to be talking about faith, hope, and love. And I'm really, really looking forward to that. Plus, we have some really fun parties happening virtually with some of your very favorite all-time, I think, special podcast guests. I'm going to be doing something with Anne Lamott. I'm going to be doing something with Jen Hatmaker, with Samantha Irby, and Lori Gottlieb. Holy cow. Those are all separate conversations, so you can join us. They're going to be coming up lickety-split. So, what are you waiting for? Come join us. Come visit katebowler.com slash book tour to learn more and to register. That's katebowler.com slash book tour. And I really hope to see you there. I'm Kate Bowler, and this is Everything Happens. When I was little, I was absolutely unable to adapt to my circumstances. If all the children were ghosts that year for Halloween, I dressed up as an enormous pair of corduroy pants with just my eyeballs sticking out the front, which was disconcerting. And then another year, I was a Spanish dancer, but also a lamp. It helped that my sister volunteered to be Socrates. If the kids were listening to Motley Crue, I was singing along to the soundtrack of the Sweat Into the Oldies album. You remember the old aerobics series starring Richard Simmons? It's absolutely my jam. I worked out to that videotape for years and still have the ability to aerobicize a strong grapevine right, grapevine left at any time. It sounds low-key adorable now, but none of it was particularly charming because I just could not figure out how to move in sync with the world. I was unadaptable, which is a nice way of saying awkward. I thought it might be nice, given that the world is especially painful and hard right now, to engender a little love for our tender selves, our awkward selves, our never-quite-in-step selves. C.S. Lewis, the famous writer and theologian, had something to say about the importance of overcoming that embarrassment for our humanity. He wrote, I sometimes think that shame... Mere awkward, senseless shame does as much toward preventing good acts and straightforward happiness as any of our vices can do. Which is to say, sometimes embarrassment about being a human might stand in the way of a lot of good. So let's create a little gentleness for our awkward selves, our in-pain selves, our out-of-step selves, our misunderstood selves. And let's do it with the person that all my friends agree is the kindest person they know. Tony Hale is an Emmy award-winning actor and comedian, 
you will know him and love him as Buster Bluth from Arrested Development or Gary Walsh from Veep or Forky from Toy Story 4 or from his newest show, which I watch religiously with my son, The Mysterious Benedict Society, where he plays both Mr. Benedict and his evil twin. You can watch it on Disney Plus and contemplate all the truth of unlikely and awkward heroes. Tony, I'm so grateful to be doing this with you today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. What's that first story you told? I, 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 I made the joke earlier of like, hey, do you want me to read it? And you, haha, we were laughing. And I, then as I heard it, I was like, I actually could read that <laughs> and it would match my life. Like, I think that would be, it would be pretty close to home. So now that you know what kind of kid I was, what kind of kid <laughs> were you? I was, I like when you said, uh, obviously the awkward, um, <laughs> shame powers a lot of things. Um, well, first of all, I was, I grew up in the South, so I was, um, I was not a, a, a kid of sports that was not, I was not gifted in that area. So my, I, I went into the theater and I, I just in high school, I just wanted to be, uh, liked by everybody. I just wanted attention and to be liked. And I kind of became all things to all people, whatever, you know, we get the attention. Yeah. You see how something like that, which starts off pretty sad, it's not the it's not the most um, healthy picture, but then it kind of grows into being yeah. used for you know I guess good in the in a career. So yeah. that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah, the ability to be all kinds of different people. All kinds. Of <laughs> Do you look back on any of them and you're like that one in particular never landed? <laughs> <laughs> never. Oh, um, I'm. Sure, but I, I think I was so probably arrogant. I was like, this is landing. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> they're gonna need more. Oh yeah, <laughs> they want a reprise of that. Yeah. <laughs> And your your dad was in the military, so it yeah. sounds like you had a lot of transient, adaptable moments. Yeah, I was, um, let me think, it was before the seventh grade, I think we moved like seven times. My oh, dad wow. was my dad was in the army, and my, my sister who connected me to you, Kim, who lives in, in Raleigh, um, she's eight years older than I am, and so we kind of, we lived in Germany for five years, and we, and it was really, we had each other, so we were, you know, my sister and brother and I were really close and but yeah we moved around a lot and then the seventh grade is where we landed in Tallahassee Florida that's kind of where I kind of grew went through high school and stuff and that's when I learned um oh in the south football is a faith (laughs) football is a religion I could be someone people believe in but I I'm not so I'll go go do this I'm a believer I don't think I'm a part of this congregation. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm going to have to find something something else. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) When you found your home in acting, you you have this really unbelievable ability to play wonderfully eager, excited, Mm. like endlessly anticipating and awkward characters. And Mm. you became a household name when you played Buster Mm. on Arrested Development, who is... (laughs) who people have not watched this show Mm. is one of my most treasured. um, They're probably healthier. (laughs) Probably more balanced state in their life. (laughs) Cinematic masterpieces where like he has this, this never pleasable um, corrupted dad and, and just wildly manipulative mom. He just loves so much. And it's, it's like, it feels hard to, to like summarize Mm -hmm. just how awkward the buster could be Mm -hmm. just as like, camouflage yeah, on a wall. Yeah, yeah. I kept trying to remember the line that they would give, like, nobody knows that. Yeah, he's neither seen nor heard. He, he, he goes, I think he went to a school where the mod, 
I think it was the, oh, it was the Milford Academy. <laughs> the Milford. And the motto was, they're, not, <laughs> they're neither seen nor heard. <laughs> and Buster took that literally. He would wear shirts that matched the wallpaper, and he was very proud of that. He would have like his long period of dis disorientation and confusion about whether he had a hook for a hand and oh, continue yeah, yeah. to try to give people back massages like yeah. unwanted. And some backstory, my, my hand was eaten off by a seal. <laughs> so that's and my mother's name was Lucille and I was screaming in the water. There's a loose seal and she thought I was <laughs> screaming to her. And so it's a yeah, it's it's a, it's a very colorful show. <laughs> it's really, a, really it's fun. And also, there's I was talking about somebody mentioned the other day about uh, the whole family's like chicken dance. They everybody had a chicken dance, and they said Tony, why didn't Buster have a chicken dance? And I thought about it and I was like, he, I think he had too much respect for chickens. Like, he just loved chickens. And he was like, no, I'm not going to disrespect the chicken like by making fun of them through a dance. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my, my my parents to this day don't get arrested at all, man. <laughs> they 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 Stop. said there was one time that my mom called me. I said, I said this somewhere. I apologize if, if I'm repeating myself, but she says, "Yeah, our friends really like Arrested Development. We still don't get it." <laughs> and to this day, they don't. The only the only time they thought it was funny was when Martin Short was on, and they were like, "And this this is exactly their words." They said, "He you now he was funny. He's funny." And I'm like, "All right." <laughs> Okay. All right. All right, Lucille. <laughs> that is so funny. I don't, don't mean just to be sort of endlessly existential about Buster, but like when I watch him, I just wonder if he's like naming some kind of longing in us when we oh. watch him continue to almost express an emotion, desperately yeah. hover on the edge of circumstances. Yeah. I mean, so many things I loved about Buster, but he, I remember going up to, to Mitch Hurwitz, who's the, who was the creator of, of the show. And I said, you know, I asked a very actory question. I said, you know, what does Buster want in life? And he goes, Oh, I think all he wants is safety. That's all he wanted. So if you look at Buster's physicality, he was always in the state of defense. Like he would, he would have his hands back here and he was always <laughs> waiting for somebody to attack and like, you know, he was just constantly afraid and in the state of fear. And he had obviously this incredibly codependent relationship and dysfunctional relationship with his mother. And which let me tell you right now, <laughs> there's there's the, I think it was the fourth or fifth season where there's a picture of the of the dysfunction that so perfectly matches their relationship where <laughs> Jessica. OK, Jessica Walter, who recently passed away, she was a brilliant actress and she played Lucille. She was on house arrest and she couldn't smoke. And so she asked Buster to inhale the smoke from her mouth like a baby bird and then exhale the smoke outside on the patio. And I was, I remember watching that episode and I was like, my God, like this, that is such a picture of codependent dysfunction, just like beyond. Yeah. I think, you know, he elicits so much like compassion you know oh. when you when you watch him just um i used to play house with the my sister and the girls down the road and mm -hmm. my sister always used to play these characters that were very much like buster that were very concerned for their safety and oh. we her character couldn't get a lot of development because <laughs> she was always like wearing yeah. a life jacket and <laughs> had a bike helmet and was under the pool table yeah, yeah and yeah. so like you could involve you know whatever her name was, only yeah, if you yeah. chose to be in the pool room. But the rest yeah. of the time, yeah. she was going to have to make 
<laughs> She's like, I hear you, but I'm going to be safe. I'm going to need to hear it out. I can see that. Yeah, Buster, he, he didn't really, because, uh, I mean, everybody said, you know, he was very fearful, but he was very selfish. Like, he just really cared about himself, just his safety. You know, it was a very love-hate relationship with the mother, but he was just, he was terrified. And it was just, everybody else could die. He was like, but I'm going to keep my life jacket on, <laughs> you know? I think, I obviously don't know much about acting. My sense is from others that you develop a lot of empathy for mm. these characters. And mm. given that Buster has these very unlikable qualities, like mm-hmm. he'll save himself over other, <laughs> or sorry, yeah, he'll yeah. run screaming from a moment in which people yeah, yeah. might genuinely need him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. How do you go about embodying somebody mm. in which you can sort of like love and hate them at the same mm. time? I remember doing this movie years ago. Um, I won't say the name of the movie because I don't think it wasn't that great. It. it wasn't was that great it? of a movie. Was it? Now I need to know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Side, Battleship. Side it was Battleship. It was me and Rihanna. Um, <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was it was me, but I was playing a character who was kind of a douchebag and manipulative and kind of a player. And I just remember thinking, oh, I just hate people like this. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, I really can't stand people like this. And I went to this acting coach named Diana Castle here in L.A. And she says, Tony, you have to realize that those things are inside of you. Mm. And the, when I woke up to the fact of going, God, she's right, because the fact is I've been manipulative in my day. I've had moments of being a douchebag. I've had, I've had moments of being a bit of a player in my past. I'm not proud of, you know, and it's like the more that you see that in myself, the more that I'm bringing myself to the character rather than playing an idea of a character. Yeah, because yeah, I think yeah. if you're playing an idea of the character, you're not, it, there's plenty of people that can play an idea, but if you bring it out of yourself, yeah. nobody else, not only can nobody else do that, but that to me is the most authentic version of playing it. And so carrying that over into life, you know, you take like an evil character or think of somebody that we all can't stand or whatever. Yeah. And I think about traits about that person. Oh, I can't say, but if I'm honest, those are in myself. And it, even though I might not want to have lunch with that person, it might actually build a little bit of compassion for that person if I can see myself in it. Yeah. Reminds me something that Malcolm Gladwell said. uh, Him and I I think a lot. Oh, (laughs) It's, it's I, like, give, I give him like a lot tomato, of tomato. <laughs> did oh he God. say it? Did I say we it? We have so many. I feel that way about Jesus. I'm like, who, 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 who said? <laughs> Love Malcolm your. Was that me? <laughs> oh my God, one and the same. <laughs> but um, Malcolm Gladwell was saying that there was some kind of uh, dissociation we have about other people's uh, motives. Mm. Um, in his book, talking to strangers, and uh, we were just kind of unpacking it together. And I was like, well, then what does that mean when we, we meet someone who is other like they mm-hmm. have? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, apparently it means that we are much more likely to attribute really flat and narrow causality to their behavior, mm. but like rich and nuanced, of course. you know, but I, I didn't mean to say it like that. Or I actually had five reasons for not picking yeah. you up yesterday. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it really is true. Like when you can find, when you can stop looking at it as an other, as an other. Yeah. I've had moments like that. It's, I don't know, there's a connection. And you mentioned, you know, we were talking about Buster and looking back on that, that was my very first gig because I'd done many commercials before in, in, in I said, that sounds arrogant. Yeah. I had done commercials before yeah. in New York. Yeah. And then I got that gig and I had never been on a studio a lot. I had never, I didn't know anything about anything with Hollywood. I was very overwhelmed and Thank God I wasn't playing a confident character because I don't think I could have done it. I was very overwhelmed myself. And so it kind of naturally came. I naturally connected to Buster. I think I was in kind of my own state of paralysis. 
And so that was definitely an easy connection, but many times I, you have to find that it might take a little work to find the similarity in yourself. I normally um, talk to people who are like nurses or mm. <laughs> like a psychologist sure, or something, sure, sure, sure. but I did have a uh, good in the world. <laughs> Just saying, t- I'm just, just describing my insecurity about asking you, you questions t- about acting right now. You don't typically talk to narcissistic <laughs> people that just want more attention. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> oh, you don't like, you don't talk to people who sell themselves for a living. <laughs> oh God. It's so much fun. Who <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to, see, <laughs> to see how many hits we get on our, how many hits we get on our posts. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fame is its own reward. Wait, is that the saying? Um, <laughs> fame is not empty at all. I, um, so I, uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but I remember something that the indomitable Alan Alda said about mm, um, he first started imagining. Uh, he was explaining to me that like when we imagine actors as playing roles, like a highbrow form of pretending, mm. it took him a while to start believing that he wasn't just, you know, an actor playing his own roles, but that he was getting better and better at identifying the other roles in his regular life that people were playing, like mm. cranky dad, tired mom. Mm. I play the role frequently of grateful cancer patient. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he became really invested mm. in, in trying to teach people improv skills. Cause he thought it would make us more, um, especially doctors actually in healthcare providers. Mm. He has this amazing Institute where he uses actors to mm-hmm. teach, um, healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. But I liked the idea that in there in recognizing the roles that we play, that it, it, it might make us a little bit more nimble with the empathy mm. that you're describing. I love that. I've, I'm, I love Alan Alda. Um, but I, I love that. And also, uh, there's also something to be said about we're all kind of playing a game. Yeah. You know, this sounds super, yeah. uh, maybe too sp- uh, spiritual, but I, many times I'm just walking around, I'm like, A, we're spinning on a planet, and I'm just going to Trader Joe's acting like nothing's <laughs> weird about that. Yeah. You know, and it's like we're all kind of playing a role to manage. Yeah. You know? Now, it would be very, it's very easy for me to come in, to fall into judgment and go, oh, that's that role, <laughs> or that person's playing that role yeah. to survive. I'm playing my own role. We're all playing, and I think there's something beautiful about being honest about, yeah, I'd, I'm falling into this role today just to kind of manage. Yeah. Because you know? this right. is crazy. Yeah. We're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> What? Yeah, I know. Today's the day. You find out. We're going to die. It'd be amazing if I learned about finitude yeah. at this very so moment. Glad. Forget Malcolm. Yeah. yeah screw <laughs> that. Um, that sounds, uh, that sounds really upsetting. And, um, I honestly can't believe that like my publisher lets me publish books with the titles that I give them because oh, they're the so depressing. Title. That no, title but, is so good. It's no, so but good. my new one is such a bummer. It's just called no cure for being human. <laughs> and I'm like, it just feels like something I, I whisper at like a toddler's birthday party, like into her ear as she's, as she's blowing out the she's candles. Like, Happy birthday. <laughs> no cure, Caitlin. Okay. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> I guess one of the commonalities I've always just loved about your characters is, is like this really, the, the just wonderfully animating neuroses. Mm. And I mean, even in, in the, in the new role of Mr. Benedict, which is just, it's such a lovely, compassionate look at how our 
like our 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 little unlikely kids mm. know and remember the truth mm-hmm. and are able to like see through the um mm-hmm. especially the like the the intense feeling of endless anxiety i just love it mm. but all your characters are these sort of heat seeking missiles of anxiety and overstimulation yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah i just uh mm-hmm. i just wondered if maybe we could develop a little compassion for our anxious selves mm. so i thought you would be interested to know that uh, when I asked all you of our mutual friends, like we were, Ed, this is actually an episode of what's the what's the show where they bring in horrible people from your past? Oh, this is your life. This is your life. This was your news worker, your postal, <laughs> oh my your postal God. worker. Well, just brought in my bully. And I'm like, oh my now now. <laughs> this was your second grade teacher. Oh, Miss Linda. God. I don't even remember. <laughs> Because like, I was in such a traumatic. You never state. listen to me. <laughs> I um, I did ask your friends the most common quality about you, and honestly, you know what they said? Oh, uh, 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 I want to kind of toxic. No, not toxic. <laughs> uh, what? They said that you are genuinely the most compassionate listener they know. Oh, I'm serious. Oh, that's nice. They were like, "No, he really cares about my dumb problems." Like he really, oh, li- that's nice. he does really listen carefully, and apparently, my stuff seems really interesting all of a sudden. <laughs> so. I um so in light of that I asked um we have this adorable community at the Everything Happens project that have just a lot of like uh-huh. painful humanity. Sure. So I asked if they wanted to send in which some is of the reality of it all. <laughs> which is no, we're not running, we are tripping down yeah. those stairs. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. uh so I asked them I thought maybe we could give them a little bit of reassurance, but I asked if they wouldn't mind sending in some of their most awkward human moments. Sure. And I thought maybe we could give them a little freedom to be a little less burdened by our collective absurdity. I love it. I um, asked if some people sent in some voice memos and if I can Mm. figure out how to play them, then, then we can, then we could hypothetically (laughs) listen to them. Sure. (laughs) All right, let's see what I can. A few years ago, when I was working at a church, I went to take my sweatshirt off and accidentally also pulled off my shirt. There I stood in only my bra with my male coworker in the room. It took me a few minutes to untangle my shirt from my sweatshirt because I was kind of stressed about the whole thing, so I just kept standing there in my bra. My poor coworker thought it was safe to turn around, but I was still not redressed. I've never seen him so awkward before. <laughs> my favorite is like, and yet I was still not redressed. Oh, thanks for sharing. That's really, oh man. I love a good, especially like purity church story where you're like, I'm so hard. I'm so sorry to show you my, my body, Adam and Eve style. <laughs> I'm sorry that. Well, by the way, I, I think the last time I freely took off my shirt was maybe five years old. <laughs> like, I think that's, I mean, I'm like, I'm, people, if like at pool parties, like, let's jump in. I'm like, go for it. I'm not taking my shirt off. <laughs> you first. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to hit CrossFit for about five years before I do something like that. It's amazing the nonverbal and I, not the, that story, but if you're really because we all need that, that community in our life that we're really honest with yeah. and you pick those people because they don't have that reaction because those people that have had that reaction where you're so very honest and you can even nonverbally see them go, Oh yeah. You know, it's like, Oh, it's like, Whoa, man, you got to really, it's not just words. You got to like calm <laughs> Your face when you're hearing some truth. Yeah. You, know? you got to tell your face to tell me it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, if it's high, especially if it's highly sensitive material, that you got to kind of be careful. I can always tell when people are scared of me because of my, I guess, like my 
cancer situation. Mm. But I can tell when they're afraid mm. that I will say something that makes them feel sad or, and there's just mm. kind of a natural like, mm. so I think that's partly why I love people who kind of are scary is because they're never scared of me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I get to feel safe. Especially when you were in the thick of it too. Yeah. Did people just kind of not, uh, just try to every which way to not discuss what you were going through? I mean, they either went right for it, which uh, oh, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. I mean, a lot of attempts to be loving. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that. Yeah. I know you have a lot of experience with Pentecostals yes. as well. Yeah. So you know that it can get really yeah, it's intense. intense. Yeah. Yeah. And some of that I always experience as love. Like, thank you for having hope for me. Yeah, thank yeah, you for, yeah. you know, not being, I don't know, I work in a mainline context, like, uh, you know, Methodists, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, and sometimes their faith is so polite mm. that I, that I, I, I was always felt like they were a little bit more worried about feeling embarrassed mm-hmm. than they were about necessarily kind of getting in the, in the mix. That's interesting. Cause I think, yeah, that's a really good point. And I, 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 I think I'm guilty of this myself. I think many times, uh, in my life, I've been more afraid of uh, the community rather than what God would like yeah. saying, so I'd be, I was much more afraid of the community than I was of God. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it kind of, it put me in this kind of defensive state rather than just, you know, this is, this is everything about me is, is my faith. Yeah. And you've, I mean, engendered an incredible community, right? If you like seek out other Christians who are enacting to like live some. Um, I, not, I don't know if it's that specific. I, well, in, when I was in New York. Yeah, I guess yes, that's yeah. what oh, I yes, was yes, thinking yes. of. You had this group yes. called like the Haven. Yes, yes. When I was in New York, I, in, I moved there in 95 and I, I, I was meeting a lot of artists who they probably it, it tended to be a lot of people who maybe weren't doing necessarily. Um, they were all people of faith, but they weren't, it wasn't necessarily, maybe their art wasn't supported by the church or yeah, it wasn't necessarily quote Christian art or something like that. So we would just kind of get together to see each other's work and encourage one another. And we had this time of thankfulness where we would just stand up and say something we were thankful for. And so, yeah, that was in New York. And it was, if I'm honest, it was pretty selfish because I just want, I was looking for friends. (laughs) Um, If you're a Christian, you have to be my friend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're all Christians here. (laughs) I know. Here though, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are, their faith is important to them. Not necessarily directed towards just finding kind of people, yeah. That's not such a focus of the arts, but just, I mean, think the older you get, you're just like finding that authenticity, yeah. you know, like, oof, this is yeah. crazy life, huh? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You don't mind getting in the deep end with me. Yeah. 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 Oh, that made me think of one of my favorite movies is um, Lars and the Real Girl. Did you ever see it? Yes. That is one of my favorite movies as well. <sighs> and I think it is such a beautiful picture of community because for those of you who don't know, I love that I've never had a podcast, but I kind of feel like I have one right now. For Come l- welcome in, invisible listener. Thank you. Thank you. Come on in. Um, but um, uh, Ryan Gosling plays this character that uh, falls in love with a blow-up doll. And, uh, you know, at first it was a little strange, but this community, it, it was, it was there was nothing sexual about it. It was just he was a very lonely man and, and needed uh, connection and stuff like that. And this community of support formed around him and he got to this place where he had to let go of the doll because he was beginning to see what real community was and that he had lived in isolation and stuff like that. 
And the most beautiful scene is when he is putting the doll to death and putting the doll to death. And they're just in his living room just knitting because they just, they, they, they have no words. They're just around him yeah. and just in his space. Yeah. And I'm like, <gasps> yeah. That. And I'm sure you can appreciate just like what you went through, just having that presence around you of just like, okay, I'm not alone in this, but I don't need any more of your words. You know? Yeah. They brought casseroles. They brought casseroles and just sat. They would take her to get her hair done just to yes. give him a break. Yes. And you know they had to have had plenty of opinions about this man who has this yes. friend of a Very lewd-looking doll that yeah. he just has an unbelievably chaste relationship with. Yeah. I honestly think if every, like, especially Lutheran church in the Midwest could play the movie Lars and the Real Girl just to show what it's like to bubble wrap somebody with... Presence and love. Yeah. And when, especially when we are I'd as. every denomination, actually, not just listening. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd include all, all churches if we could. <laughs> I think it was just. Maybe all faiths. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody could get in on. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That is such a tender portrayal of, of like giving someone lily pads out of yeah. loneliness. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Especially yes. in their awkwardness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing more awkward than that, you know, but we've all been there. <laughs> I have five of them. At home. And it's the car fine. I keep with. What I don't need right now is judgment, Kate. So let's just take a step back. It started. I can see you're nonverbal. I have five of them, and it's all right. At first, it started out with just a thing for the carpool lane, and then it became something so much more. I got I got ideas. <laughs> I'm I'm concerned about that. That one lingering thought. My sister, who is a um, massive, almost stalker level fan of yours. What's her name? Amy. Hey, Amy. Nice to meet you, Amy. I wish you were here to share Durham's uh, toffee with me that Kate sweetly gave me. Instead of Kate. I wish you were here. You were here instead. I wish. Can I say that out loud? (laughs) She does look almost the exact. Oh, really? It's eerie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, She... uh, she wrote this really sweet thing. She said, um, my sister beat me up <laughs> when I was five and today's the day I'd like to share the in front of, me. in front of this mutual idol. Oh, uh, it's the first time I've read, read this, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really dark and I would cut it out in editing. <laughs> you can't tell people how I really am. <laughs> she said, um, Disability is such a reliable source of awkwardness because there's a gap between what you can deliver and what people expect. And she was trying to explain what's like when she has ADHD mm. and she can't, um, she was like trying to make new friends at a church, but she struggles so much with names just kind of slipping out of her memory. So she said, so I designed this pin, which I actually wear and it's this super cute thing of a goldfish. And it just says, hi, I have trouble remembering names. I hope we can still be friends. Oh, that's <laughs> Which really sweet. feels like the cutest thing in the world. I also love that it's just good for her putting out a really sweet picture to focus on and, and not focusing on the fact that she can't remember names. Because I need that distraction. If I, yeah. if I meet someone that I've met 10 times before and I can't remember their name, I yeah. would love a distraction like yeah. that. Yeah, look yeah. at this goldfish. <laughs> Don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> Don't look at me. All right, here's a... Here's an, here's another one from, um, from Cameron. Mm. Mm. So my freshman year of college, there was this girl that I had a massive crush on. And every time I saw her, I got nervous and 
didn't know what to say, but figured, well, why not conquer that fear? So it was her birthday, and I went to go wish her a happy birthday. And when she said thank you, I was thinking of either saying you're welcome or no problem. But in the moment, of course, you know, me being all clumsy and awkward, had actually combined the two phrases and said, no, welcome your problem. So it was extremely awkward. She didn't really know what to say. I didn't really know what to say. I just kind of walked away. And that was the last conversation that we ever had. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. That's great. No, th- no, thank you. Your problem. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that that needs to be in a script, too. <laughs> oh, hey, 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 no, thank you. Your problem. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. I didn't just say that. Okay. My, my no. mom used to have that problem as a professor at the School of Music at the University of Manitoba where they had to sign up for these little courses between semesters, and they were called intercession courses. Oh, gosh. So just right away, everybody's sure. asking for intercourse constant. Sure. And my mom is just managing orientation, and she's like, oh, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> also, like, think about it. Like, just who's who's writing this stuff? You know, like, just take a step back and just think about it. Now I'm coming off super judgmental to that person. Come on, nobody does that. I can't relate to you. You know what I did today, actually, and I, I, I think this is just me. I was coming out of <laughs> the bathroom, and I was reaching for something, and my nose is so big, I hit it on the oh. door jam coming out of the bathroom. And I thought, my God, my nose is so big that I hit it on the door. And I've never been in a fight, but <laughs> damn, I was like, this is what a fight feels like. Because it was like someone just knocked me in the nose. Oh, yeah. no. And I was, I literally had a thought of like, I'm going to have a black eye for this <laughs> wonderful woman's podcast. Because it's a visual medium. <laughs> okay, what do we got here? This is Amy, a different Amy. How about that day, that Saturday, when my daughter and I spent an entire day meandering around our town, only to end up at a high-end boutique with a white glossy floor, only to ask the sales clerk to help us with something, only to feel the presence of something around my feet, only to realize it was my underwear that had been riding on me on my brown skirt with static cling the entire day. And when the sales clerk came over, I did not have a game face. I knew my daughter was going to recognize these underwear from the laundry. I've got stripes. I still have them as a memento of this day. And the sales clerk came over and I just looked at her and I said, what is that? I don't know how I thought I was going to pull this off. And she looked down and she said, I don't know, but I'll get it. And I said, no, don't. It's my underwear. (laughs) She like, she like told on herself at the end. So was it? An, it was obviously another pair of underwear than what she was had on. Yeah, was, I okay. That's sounds, I, I doubt that it came off and then went on the that's outside. That's why I got confused. I was like, how yeah. are you walking if it's okay? I got it. Yeah, yeah. Got I it, think it, it was it, bonus it. underwear. Got it. <laughs> Again, you? that dialect man brings me back. And I, I tell you, I walked into that store and I thought that was glossy floors, so and cute. I thought. I thought, what is that? And that, that person came up to me and said, what is that? And I said, that's my underwear. <laughs> I love it. I could listen to it all day long. In your in the, in the show that you just, that, that just came out, the, the Benedict, Mysterious mm-hmm. Benedict Society, 
when I, I watch it with my kid and what I, what I feel like he's getting out of how it. Old is your, how old is your, seven oh. with like wide fish eyes, sure. just lots of learning that's happening <laughs> at all times <laughs> and a cute sense of, oh. and he's watching these little kids are like going into a dangerous, dangerous scenario yeah. and they're, they've all been unliked. Oh, for most sure, of their yeah. little oh, yeah. lives. Yeah. And they're, the but outskirts. they're able to see something that other people don't see. Mm-hmm. What I so appreciate, and I apologize again if I'm, if people have heard this, but not that anybody <laughs> <laughs> listens to what I talk about. I don't know who cares. Um, but I, uh, <laughs> I, um, I love, love, love that those kids who are on the outskirts, you know, they didn't have these magical superpowers that their superpower was, his his empathy her her creativity his intelligence mm-hmm. like those and after this year we've had those are superpowers like yeah. that is and for a kid to see that and go hey i i actually have that superpower even yeah. though i might not have what the umbrella activity <laughs> academy you know it's yeah. not to not to you know whatever that but it's like that is a real superpower yeah the way that you allow us to embrace the friction of our humanity so that we all feel like we can join the club of acceptable people in the world mm. is, I think, one of your great oh. spiritual and comedic gifts. That's very nice. And I say. feel really lucky that we got to do this today. Me too. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Tony. You're the best. I love it. Do you know what I always like to say to people is uh, what I always want to hear is it's going to be okay. Yeah. Don't you love hearing that? Yeah. And it's like, even though life is going to go crazy, I think there's a lot of assurance for going, yeah, it's going to be okay. Just keep walking. Yeah. Ugh. I like good. I like to say that. Yeah. I think your podcast is the place to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Just even to me. Thanks it for is. saying that. It's going to be crazy, but it's going to be okay. I don't know about you, but this conversation was an ode to my awkward, glorious self. Our awkward, glorious selves. So if you're someone who needs to give yourself a little grace your perfectly awkward moments, here is a blessing for your regular, lovable, awkward self. Blessed are we, the awkward ones, the ones who can't stop replaying that one horrible moment over and over and over again. Never mind it's been several years and that person definitely doesn't remember what you said. Blessed are we as we shake off the embarrassment of being human again today in all our cringeworthy foot-in-mouth moments, in our old-school photos, the crooked smiles, and the out-of-placeness we felt, or still feel. Blessed are we, remembering with more and more compassion that this is us in all our unwieldy humanity. Maybe humility is something like this, compassion for our awkward self because there are no preconditions to being loved. I brushed my teeth with my cousin's monastat seven one bleary-eyed morning before church. I only realized it because it didn't break up in my mouth. It was solid gel, not a paste. I was hollering so much, I had to tell on myself. I'm at a ski resort with my girlfriend, who is now my wife and her family. Uh, They got us ski tickets and ski school. I had never been before. They also got us like ski pants and I didn't even know those were a thing. Um, Not only did I not pass ski school that day, my hips couldn't do the pizza thing. Uh, 
But on my second to last ride down, when I was trying to stop, I ripped my pants all the way through. Everything was hanging out. Um, at this untimely moment, my wife goes, hey, we're going up one more time, not knowing I had ripped my pants. And so, of course, I go up again because I don't really have a choice at this moment. We get to the top, I pull her aside and I show her the damage. She goes, yeah, this is our last ride. I was like, yes, it is. So I went to the coffee shop, tried to cover the, the damage that had been done and drank coffee with a embarrassed and clumsy body. Our work on the Everything Happens podcast and with the Everything Happens initiative is made possible because of our partners and generous donors, Lilly Endowment, the Duke Endowment, Duke Divinity School, and Faith and Leadership, an online learning resource. And a huge thank you to my team who makes this work not only possible, but fun. Jessica Ritchie, Harriet Putman, Keith Weston, Gwen Hagenbotham, Katie Mangum, AJ Walton, Catherine Smith, Mary Jo Clancy, JJ Dickinson, and Jeb and Sammy. And if you'd like to be a human with me, come find me online at Kate C. Bowler. I also have a weekly email that might be the right dose of love and courage you need. Sign up at katebowler.com newsletter. This is Everything Happens With Me, Kate Bowler. <laughs>